This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. This morning, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau shuffled his cabinet for the third time in as many months. Longtime Liberal MP Joyce Murray was named as the new Treasury Board President. She got the job after Jane Philpott resigned from cabinet because she lost confidence in the way the government was handling the SNC-Lavalin affair. And distracting us from that is now a top priority. For the government, there's a big opportunity to do just that because the Liberals will be unveiling their last pre-election budget tomorrow. Meanwhile, Jagmeet Singh takes his seat in the House today. And will that have any impact? I'd like to hear from you. Uh, Are you forgetting about SNC-Lavalin? Are there things you're looking for in tomorrow's budget? Uh, Will it make a difference? Uh, Can your vote be bought? The numbers to call 416 Three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty and now to unpack all of this we have Michael Diamond who is a conservative strategist and a political commentator with Upstream Strategy and Bob Richardson liberal strategist and senior counsel to National Public Relations hey guys well. Good afternoon. Okay, well, let's start with Michael. What is your view of this? Look, I think that the appointment of Joyce Murray to cabinet, frankly, is coming three and a half years too late. I was very surprised that Justin Trudeau passed up someone who had cabinet experience, having served in two portfolios in Gordon Campbell's BC Liberal government uh, prior to her election to Parliament, that she challenged Justin Trudeau, and I think that's where we got into the problem for her. For a Liberal leader, she came in second, very, very distant second, but she she ran, she helped build the party, and she should have been rewarded for that. She was someone who is competent, is uh, qualified, and I'm personally, as a Canadian, glad to see that finally be rewarded. It uh, should have happened uh, three and a half years ago, though. Bob? I'm going to agree with virtually every word that Michael just said. I hate to uh, do this to you, Libby, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I agree with him. I think she's experienced. I think she's hardworking. Uh, she did a good job in uh, Gordon Campbell's cabinet. Uh, she has been a team player, and she's been the PA and Treasury Board for the last three and a half years. And uh, the good thing about her is she's an adult, and she understands politics. So I think she's going to end up being a good cabinet minister. Uh huh. And she's not going to uh, resign on issues of principle or anything like that. Well, she's not going to resign. Whether it's an issue of principle is a, is a, is a matter, matters for discussion. If you're referring to other issues, but uh, but uh, I think uh, I think she is, let's say, well qualified, knows and understands politics. Uh, did a good job uh, when she was a cabinet minister in BC. And uh, I think she'll be a good president of the Treasury Board. Michael Diamond, is the whole Jody Wilson-Raybould affair starting to fade? 
You know, I don't think it is. Uh, I think, you know, the House is back today, uh, so it will be interesting to see uh, with a new NDP leader there uh, what what the opposition parties do want to talk about and how the media reacts to that. Uh, Any time that we're having these monthly cabinet shuffles now, I think it is a throwback to how we got here. So, so that is keeping it current and relevant to people. But more importantly than the actual scandal that uh, is occupying a lot of our bandwidth right now, it's the uh, harm it's caused to Justin Trudeau's brand of Canada not being back, that he's just a regular politician. That is where we're going to see it uh, impact voters, not the scandal itself, but the uh, the outcome from that scandal. Michael, I wonder how you see Andrew Shear's performance during this. Uh, a lot of criticism uh, saying that, first of all, he went too far immediately calling for a resignation. It just sounded like blah, 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 blah. And uh, just that uh, he has not distinguished himself. Do you agree with those criticisms? No, I, I don't. I actually think he was right to call for the prime minister to resign. And I, I think, you know, having two members of your cabinet leave like that and uh, what seems to be an unprecedented number of first term uh, MPs not seeking a second mandate, I think, speaks to the lack of confidence that many within his own party have. So I agree with Mr. Shear on that. I think more, more importantly, though, uh, the liberals have been engulfed in the scandal that best thing others can do is just get out of the way and allow the fire to eat them up. Bob, what do you think? I think he is the least consequential federal leader of any party since Audrey McLaughlin. <laughs> I think he has put in a terrible performance so uh, so far. You know, most recently on the issue related to the uh, situation in, uh, in, uh, in New Zealand, uh, 300 leaders across the planet seem to get their statements uh, right. One did Andrew Shear. I mean, he's constantly, constantly making what I, uh, uh, poor, poor errors. He seems to be surrounded by very weak frat boy style, uh, 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 staff. And, uh, and I don't think he's connecting with Canadians. I think once we're in an election, I think Justin Trudeau is going to clean his clock. And I think the reason is, uh, one of the reasons is this guy stands for nothing. Um, and he communicates nothing. He seems to have no ideas. And I think he's put in, I think it's a, I think, um, the system, how they choose their leader is a big problem. And I think this is, uh, the, they should take a look at that next time out because if this is the best they can do, uh, best wishes. Well, uh, just to backtrack to what you said and refresh people's memory, in terms of the statement on the mosque shooting in New Zealand, Andrew Shear took a lot of flack because he did not specifically say that Muslims were attacked. He didn't appear to you want to use the word Muslim, and uh, that's what caused a lot of flack. And then he later amended it and then visited a mosque in his hometown on the weekend. But, you know... Uh, it's you know, always he, too little too late with this guy, and he's always having to backtrack. This is about the fifth or sixth time where they play where he plays footsie with the alt-right and then he has to yank himself back pardon by, not, by making a statement of harper uh this is this is a guy who just is not up to the job michael 
Well, I mean, I'm just, I mean, the overuse of the word alt-right, I just, I'm not sure how offering condolences in the same way that our governor general did is playing footsie with uh, the so-called alt-right here. Uh, that would be very concerning if that's what something Mr. Scheer was doing. I don't think it is. He put out two statements. I think uh, uh, both were appropriate, and I think both were definitely appreciated, which wasn't the fact so he appropriate. Has to put out two what wasn't so appropriate was uh, Catherine McKenna attacking Andrew Scheer uh, in her tweet about this terrible atrocity that happened. This was not a time for politics, and uh, it was sad to see the Minister of the Environment decide it was. Uh, what do you think about uh, Bob's character? Uh, I'm not going to defend her because I think she should stick to her lane and stop uh, doing these sort of things. I don't think it's helpful to the government, and I don't think it's helpful to her. That being said, the fact that this guy had to put out not one, but two statements within hours of each other tells you everything you need to know. Uh, it tells you that this guy can't get his act together, his staff don't have their act together, and they're constantly having to backtrack because they're playing footsies uh, with uh, with people that don't necessarily, uh, we don't necessarily want to uh, engage uh, with uh, heavily in this country. Well, so I think, I think this guy constantly makes uh, amateur errors and conservatives deserve better. He doesn't, you know, let's, Michael, let's get to the question of his consequentiality or his personality. Is he up to the job? Oh, I think he absolutely is. Uh, that was a leadership. Remember, uh, Andrew Scheer was not expected to win. He was seen as uh, being the fourth-tier candidate in that race, and he won by building consensus amongst conservatives and had a very effective and smart uh, strategy to not offend and to, to, to build consensus amongst the other candidate supporters. So so he, I think, is absolutely up to the job. That said, being leader of the opposition is the single worst job in Canada. And Justin Trudeau is very true. lucky. He <laughs> never had to be leader of the official opposition. He was leader of the third party. And Tom Mulcair, I think, would tell you that it's a, it's, a, it's a thankless job. You're always criticized. Nobody thinks you're doing anything right until you win the election. Well, Tom Mulcair was a great leader of the opposition. Everybody that agreed really on that. Well, for him. that. well, he was good in question period. He was yeah. a terrible leader of the opposition uh, by, you know, the only metric that matters, and that's the subsequent election. Okay. <laughs> Can't argue with that. But yeah, uh, so I guess we have a divide here. Uh, you know, Bob, you brought up an interesting thing about the way the leader is selected for the Conservatives. And I have heard criticism saying, well, that's the way to ensure that you get your second or your third choice. Yeah, I, I think it's the lowest common denominator. I, I don't fault Mr. Shear for this. He's just following the, the rules that his party put out. But I think it doesn't... Um, uh, I didn't, I don't think it generates any energy, any enthusiasm. I think it becomes lowest common denominator who you dislike the least as opposed to who you think is the best leader. And, uh, I'm not sure it's a great system. If I was the conservatives, I would take another, uh, a look at it. I think a system where you elect delegates in writings and the delegates go off and do stuff. Uh, go to a convention is a much more dynamic system and one that uh, better reflects a, a, the type of a leader that the party would want. Michael, yeah, I, I agree. With, I agree with uh, Bob on that, and that uh, it's unfortunate that no party in Canada currently has, a, or federal party has, a delegated leadership selection process. It's what I personally prefer. I think it's a way to get uh, more commitment from members and more connections to elect the new leader. Uh, you know, the, the the system the Liberals employed were allowing people to register as supporters. I mean, what all that got them was a guy with a famous last name. So I think there's definitely flaws in how uh, many parties uh, select leaders in Canada. I mean. 
the best system would be to look at what they do in America and have open primary system, but uh, uh, we're a long way from that, so my preference would definitely be returning to delegated uh, conventions as a bit of a nerd. I I I don't think that getting an electoral college might be the best thing for us. Oh no no a, a primary system of allowing you know elections Canada taking over the nomination process and having uh, all Canadians be able to participate. Let's turn to the budget tomorrow, Michael Diamond. Are are they just going to be buying us with our own money? Look, you know, uh, we saw an attempt to do that uh, in Ontario last year, and it resulted in a government getting uh, going from a majority government to uh, uh, not having official party status. So I hope that uh, that's not what we see. I think Canadians uh, are a bit cynical of uh, election-style budgets, as we've seen a few times recently. Uh, but uh, I'm guessing that's what we'll see. Bob? Um, I, I suspect it'll be a bit of a non-event. Um uh, which fed, federal bu- federal budgets I found have increasingly been. I, look, I think on a number of the big issues, they've done a, a pretty decent job economically on growth. The best in the G7 on jobs has been good. I think they spend too much money, and I think uh, I, I, I wish we would have uh, – Yank back of the deficit numbers. I think they're, uh, frankly, a little bit, uh, a little bit too high. I have some, uh, I have some sympathy on on some front fronts for them in that in that regard. But I still think the spending has been a, a little too hard. But overall, I think they've got the big economic things right in comparison to most of our uh, G7 uh, uh, competitors. Um, and, and at the same time, they've had to deal with a rather wild situation in the U.S. with the, with uh, President Trump. And I think they've done a good job there on NAFTA and others. So on the economic side, I think they're relatively solid. Uh, but, uh, but I don't, I, I haven't seen anything in there that is particularly exciting, uh, in the reports so far. So I think it'll end up being a bit of a non-event. When I had the finance minister in here a few weeks ago, probably over a month ago now, I got the distinct impression that there would be maybe be pharmacare in there. I now think that they will leave that to the election, Michael Diamond. Oh, look, uh, you know, uh, setting uh, expectations to be low in advance of a budget is uh, what what we often see, and it's it's smart politics. I think, you know, it will, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't expect a, a doom and gloom scenario coming out of tomorrow. Uh, Pharmacare, Bob Richardson, what do you, will there be something on it? I think it'll be fairly minor. It is a huge big ticket item and it's complicated. And I think, um, their uh, committee that's gone across the country looking at things has found that there are a lot of good systems already in place that are private and you don't want to duplicate that with a huge public system. So, so I think they're trying to figure their way out still on that issue. So I think there'll be a nod to Pharmacare and some sense that they want to head in that direction. But I, I don't think they've quite landed on how to do that yet. And uh, I don't think they have quite the money to do it in a huge public fashion. Michael Diamond, are they, uh, you know, we hear a lot they're going to be doing something about housing. Presumably that is to target millennials who might be more likely to vote for Justin Trudeau. We've also seen a nod to seniors issues, but um, I don't know if they're actually going to put anything concrete in there. Do they, does it seem to you that they have some kind of demographic strategy? 
Well, I think yeah, they, they ought to, and I think those are you know issues that uh, are affecting seniors and the soon-to-be senior population are uh, really important and good politics. Since uh, these are uh, this is a large uh, voting pool and uh, reliable voters on the uh, affordable on, on uh, housing, definitely something that appeals to a younger generation, but definitely also their parents and grandparents. So I think it's another important issue. Uh, Justin Trudeau did a good job of uh, getting increased turnout among young Canadians last time. Uh, some would credit the cannabis uh, legalization promise, and perhaps that's why, uh, but he doesn't have that this time. So uh, that could be a good issue for that uh, demographic. Okay, let's take a call from Anthony in Niagara. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, good, thank you. Okay, Mr. King Trudeau. He's on one wing, one prayer, no gas and only fumes. He's going to try everything possible to get votes. He'll promise you everything. And then after he gets voted in, if he ever does, nothing's going to happen. Sheer? Yeah, you know, he's honest. He's doing the best he can. He's not going to promise you the world like Mr. Trudeau is. And that's the way it goes. The Liberals? Oh, we're going to give you $100 rebate. And then when they get into power, it's $1,000 a person. And that's what's going to happen. He destroyed this country, and he's going to do worse in the future. Okay, Anthony, we Thank know where you stand. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Okay, I'll give the numbers out again. If you have a view on uh, what you think is, is going on, we've seen the third cabinet uh, shuffle in as many months. This government is trying to put the SNC-Lavalin affair behind them? Are you starting to get tired of it? Are you expecting goodies in the budget tomorrow? It is, after all, a pre-election budget. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm talking to conservative strategist Michael Diamond, liberal strategist Bob Richardson. And uh, in terms of the politics of this, you know, uh, Michael, you were mentioning that a lot of sitting Liberal MPs are not going to run again, but not nearly as many as the number of sitting NDP MPs who are not going to run again. So how does the weakness of the NDP play into all of this? Oh, absolutely an important uh, factor, and we'll have to see how now that Jagmeet Singh has a seat in the House of Commons, how that improves his standing. I frankly don't think it will matter all that much, and that's uh, very good news for uh, Mr. Trudeau, uh, especially if you look where the NDP are likely to lose seats uh, in Quebec, especially uh, those are seats that will very, very, be, very likely be accessible to uh, the Liberals so they can offset uh, losses in other parts of the country because of the weakness uh, of the NDP, who are losing a lot of, uh, you know, important MPs outside of Quebec who also uh, might make put those ridings into play. Bob? Uh, I think Mr. Trudeau is going to get, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, uh, a uh, prediction between 160 and 185 seats in the next election. I think the NDP is very helpful to him. I think he has an opportunity to pick up NDP seats in Quebec, in Windsor, in Hamilton, in London. They're also on the split sum in BC that could, it could become available. So I think they're in far better shape than some of the calamity that you hear from the Ottawa, uh, a bathtub uh, uh, water drinking crowd uh, that everything is an, uh, everything is a disaster. If you take a look at the hard numbers and the hard reality of politics, I think he's headed to re-election. Uh-huh. 
and uh, well, uh, and the NDP would be a big factor. Is is there anything that Jagmeet Singh can do now that he's in the House? He's he's running at seven percent in uh, in Quebec, and he has twenty seats there, and that means at seven percent, you're not getting any of, of those seats coming back. So I think Trudeau uh, could win as many as sixty seats in Quebec uh, next time out, unless there is a, a dramatic improvement uh, of um, the view of Mr. Uh, Singing in Quebec and, quite frankly, in the rest of the country. Michael? Yeah, and a strong question period performance, if he's capable of it, uh, really won't won't matter. It's too late, I think, to uh, to become a national uh, figure for him. And, uh, uh, you know, there's scandal and uh, other issues that will just make him less relevant than he could have been had he found that seat closer to when he was elected leader. Well, and you know, it's interesting. I've starting, started to see some commentary on SNC-Lavalin that, you know, the the conventional wisdom was, well, it, it's totally different in Quebec. And in Quebec, people are happy uh, that the government was moving to protect this company or appears to be moving to do that. But but now I'm seeing commentaries like, well, Quebecers uh, don't love this either, is that going to have any impact, Michael? Well, look, if we look back to uh, both 2004 and 2006 uh, elections where uh, the Liberal Party did have some scandal uh, and it was a Quebec-focused scandal uh, that they had to deal with, uh, the party that benefited from that was was the Bloc, and uh, that would be very bad for all Canadians if that were to happen again, uh, but uh, definitely something that I could uh, see a scenario where that plays out. Mm-hmm. Bob? Uh, yeah, I think the Liberals are, quite frankly, uh, uh, people are viewing them in a much broader fashion, and I think they're viewing them as a pretty decent government in Quebec and for Quebec. Uh, I think he is competitive in 60, maybe 65 of the 75 seats in Quebec. I'm not saying he'll win them all, but he is competitive there. And the split of the opposition in Quebec is a huge problem. You've got conservative votes. You've got the Max Bernier thing that hasn't kicked in yet. You've got New Democrats. You've got Bloc. And quite frankly, you even have Greens in some uh, places on the island of Montreal. And that big split on the other side is very, very helpful to the Liberals. They just won Outremont by over 20 points, and the opposition was all over the place. Uh Aha, and you've brought something up we haven't talked about for a while, and that is Max Bernier. Michael Diamond, is he going to make any impact? You know, I, I think that he's going to uh, fizzle away. Uh, we saw during the by-elections, he definitely had, you know, his party uh, with a very focused effort, had a uh, disproportionate uh, um, uh, outcome in uh, the Burnaby South by-election or uh, results there. But I think, you know, when they spread across the country, focusing on more than three ridings at one time, uh, they're, they're going to fizzle out. And I think the more Canadians see, just like the more Conservative Party members saw of Maxime Bernier, the more tired they grow of him and uh, I think they see a lot of flash with uh, very little substance there. Bob, you agree? Uh, I don't, actually. I think uh, when he gets to participate in the leaders' debate uh, in Quebec, as an example, but the leaders' debate in in, in the rest of Canada, too, as well, um, I think he will put forward a number of very conservative views, with, uh, w- w- which an element of the conservative voters will like. And Andrew Scheer appears to have no views on anything, because uh, he's trying to be uh, appealed to everybody. Uh, and as a result of that, I think that's going to be highlighted. I think that's going to end up being a big problem for conservatives. Okay, we're starting to wrap up on this. Michael Diamond, what would you like to leave us with? 
I think, you know, today's a uh, going to be an exciting day in Ottawa and uh, question period really is going to be a big test if uh, Jack Meetson can, you know, not reclaim the ground that Jack Layton or Tom Walker had, but uh, put up a bit of a fight. Uh, it's going to be really important uh, to watch into October. Okay, Bob? It's a, it's a real opportunity for, for Mr. Singh to do a bit of a makeover. He was a pretty good MPP at Queen's Park, and he was a good, you know, member on his feet in the Ontario legislature. We've seen none of that since he's been the federal NDP leader. This is the op- opportunity for him to hit the reset button, and uh, let's see if he's able to do it. Okay, and let's see what uh, comes out in that budget tomorrow. Uh, we will all be watching that and covering that very closely. Thank you so much, Bob Richardson and Michael Diamond. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.